chapter 9 and verse number 23. We'll begin our study there in just a moment. Luke chapter 9, verse number 23. It's great to see so many of you here today. I know we have visitors here with us, brothers and sisters in Christ from other congregations. Thank you for being here with us and for the members here at the West Main Congregation. Uh, I've seen a lot of you already this past weekend. It's been a great weekend. It's always a blessing to be able to spend time with one another. We had a great uh, high school and junior high Devo last night had about 23 uh, young people over at the house and had a great time studying the word of God. We're looking at evidences for this uh, for this quarter and also uh, singing praises to God. So thank you to the parents and also the shepherds who are also uh, leading a Devo for parents. And I think that's something really great for all of us to, to be a part of. And so uh, these Devos will be taking place every other week uh, for the next few months. So we want to continue to encourage the young people. Uh, and the parents, let's make it out to these uh, special studies that we have set up to um, just to spend more time together and to uh, encourage one another uh, in the Lord. And we have our special series of lessons uh, that will begin in September, that will begin September 2nd. The very first uh, question that we'll uh, answer will be that night, September 2nd. We're going to be talking about uh, answering popular Bible questions that people have. And thank you for everything that you guys are doing. The questions are, are coming through. I got two more this morning. I got three yesterday. Uh, and so the questions are beginning to add up. And so uh, you have about another week. I need these by next Sunday at the latest so we can make sure that we uh, have all the questions and that we are planning properly. Uh, and then for the month of September, we'll be answering these popular Bible questions that people have. So this is an opportunity to study with someone, to hopefully open up those doors uh, of opportunity even more. And so thank you for, for all the questions that you guys have been giving me. Well, I want to take you guys back this morning as we begin to study to Thanksgiving. I've been here for about six months now, and if you know anything about me, you know that I love food, right? And if you don't, then you'll find that out over the coming years. Well, Thanksgiving, Nikki and I had a good Thanksgiving with, with Joshua, and we did fairly well. We didn't really overeat that much. Thanksgiving night, though, we did something that we typically do not do. We watched a documentary, and it was a documentary about healthy eating. And by the time we got done watching this documentary, it was actually a documentary about becoming a vegan. I don't know why we watched it on Thursday night. That was a bad idea. We're watching this documentary about becoming a vegan. And that word may not be that popular here in the state of Texas, all right? A vegan is someone who doesn't eat meat, someone who's not going to eat cheese and animal products and things like that. So it's actually a little bit embarrassing. We were watching this, and I think I was eating key lime pie and some bluebell ice cream while I'm watching this documentary. But by the time I got done with the documentary, I was pretty convicted, and so was Nikki. So the next day, we decided that for one year, we were going to become vegans, and I put this on Facebook, and I have, I've never had more comments than when I put on Facebook, I'm not going to eat meat for a year. I haven't had as many comments when someone died in my family, someone else's funeral or family member's funeral, a Bible study, a sermon. I had at least 200 comments. People were losing their minds. What do you mean you're not going to eat meat for a year? And, and so I said, look, I'm not going to do this for a year. And... The first four hours was pretty good. <laughs> halfway, you know, about halfway that next day, I started having some doubts. And by day two, I was really thinking a lot about Chipotle. 
And I think within about 24 to 36 hours, I think I was telling Nikki, okay, we need to rethink this whole game plan. And I did not put that on Facebook. So I came up with an idea, and I thought I had created something. I did not, but I, I thought I had something really good. I said, here's what I want to do. I want to become vegan-ish, which means if I want to eat really healthy and, you know, say I'm trying to take care of my body, I'll do that. But if I want some chicken and some sour cream or something like that, I can do that. Because vegan-ish is basically the best of both worlds, right? And so really, it's the idea that whatever I want to eat, I can basically eat. And somebody may be thinking, all right, come on, come on, bro. What are you, what are you talking about here? You're not, you're not anything close to being a vegan. And that's exactly right. In fact, I talked to a couple of people last year about this, and I was sharing this with them. They began laughing in my face. And they said, what are you doing? That's not, that's not even anywhere close to being vegan. But it's the idea of being vegan-ish. And so... As I was talking about this, they said, you know what? You should do a sermon. You should do a sermon called Christian-ish. And I said, hey, that's actually a pretty good idea. So here is that sermon. To this morning, we're going to be talking about being Christian-ish. Now, what is this idea about being Christian-ish? Have you known someone to wear the name Christian? And maybe they have the, the fish bumper sticker on their car. And maybe they're posting lots of Bible verses on Facebook and, and things like that. And maybe they even have some photos of their Bible on social media. But as you get to know them more, you begin to see that maybe their habits are not lining up exactly like what you would think a Christian should be doing. They may be closer to being Christian-ish. I'm sure they talk about Jesus every once in a while. Maybe in the political season or something like that. But it's really, hard, it's really hard to see a change or a distinction or a line drawn in the sand from their former lives. You know somebody like that? Does anyone come to mind? It can be easy to think about everybody else, can it? It can be easy to think about the people down the street or something like that. Or that family member, that cousin, or that uncle that we all have. But I don't want to think about everybody else. This morning, I want us all to put a mirror right in front of our faces, and I want us to think about us. Are we Christian-ish? You see, it's funny being vegan-ish, right? You guys were all laughing at me about a minute ago. But when you really think about it, it's not funny at all being Christian-ish in the eyes of God. And so I want us to really think about this, about who are we? Are we going to be fully for the Lord? Are we going to be fully serving God? The idea, I think, sometimes of being Christian-ish, people like to wear the name Christian. They like to know or like to share, look, I'm associated with this congregation or, you know, I've been raised this way. And, and as long as things are okay, as long as Jesus is talking about something that maybe they agree with, everything is good. But when things start to get a little bit challenging in the Gospels, and there's some things or teachings of Jesus that they may not necessarily agree with, this may be where the Christian-ish comes in. Or the individual that's trying to really live in, uh, in both worlds. They, they know that they want to serve Jesus, and yet they're still trying to hang on to that former life. They're still trying to do everything that they were doing before they became a Christian. That's the idea of Christian-ish. Well, Jesus wants us to see that Christian-ish is not going to work. 
In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24, Jesus, he said, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. And he must, I'm sorry, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one that will gain it. You see the commitment that Jesus is saying that we must have? If we're going to truly be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to be fully on board with him. And which means that there's no room to be being Christian-ish. This idea of, well, yeah, I'll follow him as long as I don't have to give up this. Or I'll follow him as long as he doesn't ask me to do too much. Well, Jesus is saying, look, we got to take up our cross and follow him. So this idea of being Christian-ish is not going to work. And so we got to find out what can we do to avoid this type of mentality. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes, if you will allow me. I want, you to, I want to share with you my brief journey being a vegan, about 24, 36 hours. And I learned some things along the way that I think can help us to avoid becoming Christian-ish. Vegan-ish is actually kind of funny. I like the idea of being vegan-ish. Christian-ish, it's no laughing matter. So let me tell you a couple of thoughts that I think will help us to avoid this mindset of being Christian-ish. Number one... If we're truly going to take up our cross and follow the Lord, if we're truly going to be all in for him, then we have to choose. That's the first thing. We have to choose. We got to make a choice. Who are we? Are we Christians or not? Are we going to choose to fully serve him? I'm reminded of Joshua in Joshua 24 and verse number 15. Joshua in the Old Testament, he said, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You hear the, the, how firm and convicted Joshua was? He's talking to the Israelites that had been delivered by God. God had allowed them to go through the Jordan River. He, he was there with them when they de- defeated uh, the city of Jericho and all these other nations or lands and cities. And yet the people would still be a little wishy-washy. They'd be going back and forth. And Joshua said, you've got to make up your mind right now who you're going to serve. And that's the idea. If we're going to avoid this mindset of being Christian-ish, we're trying to live in both worlds and trying to do whatever we want to do and listen to Jesus maybe sometimes when it's convenient, we can't do all that. We've got to make a choice right here, right now. And I, want to listen, I want you to listen to some words from Jesus where Jesus makes it very clear that we have to choose who it is that we're going to serve. In John chapter 8 and verse number 44, Jesus, as he was speaking to individuals who were very religious-minded, who could quote probably many parts of the Torah and would pray these long prayers. Jesus would make it very clear to them in John chapter 8 and verse number 44, they weren't serving the Lord. Yeah, they were doing some things and yet they were not fully on board with God. In fact, his language is very strong in John chapter 8 and verse number 44. He said, you are of the devil or you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said, you're not following God. It may appear that you are, but you're following your real father, the devil. And they needed to make a choice. They were rejecting the very one that the father had sent. 
And Jesus said, you need to listen to me. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 21 through 24, we see this idea that Jesus is emphasizing time and time again, make a choice, make a decision. Who are you going to follow? Who are we going to be all about? What path are we going to take in our lives? In John chapter 6, verse number 21, let's start in verse number 19. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. There it is. We got to decide who are we going to follow? No one can serve two masters. For he either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus says, choose, decide. Who are you, who are, who are, who are we going to follow? In Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus would make this point very clear as well. In verse number 13, he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Choose. Who are we going to serve? If we're going to avoid this idea of being Christian-ish, then we've got to make a decision. Right here, right now, today's the day, not tomorrow, next week, or next year when our lives slow down a little bit. Jesus says, I want you to choose. Who are you going to follow? Is it going to be me, or are you going to do your own thing? And as we choose, we'll have to make sure that we choose Jesus for the right reasons. I hope and pray all of us will choose to follow Jesus. But if we do, it's going to have to be for the right reasons. When I was thinking about becoming a vegan for a short period of time, that documentary did uh, teach me some things. One of the things that I learned is that people who become vegans, they have a very strong why. Does that make sense? Their motivation behind what they're doing is very powerful where they're, got, they're not going to let anything really get in their way. Sometimes people become vegan because of environmental reasons or because of, uh, of animal rights or something like that. Sometimes people become vegans because they're facing cancer and they want to do as much as they can to eliminate any other type of, of sickness or whatever the case may be. But their why is really powerful. And then when they truly commit, they don't turn back. They're on board and no one and nothing is going to get in the way. Well, think about that with Christianity. Why are we following Jesus? Why are you following Jesus? Why am I following Jesus? You see, our why has to be really strong. It's not enough to follow Jesus because that's what our parents want. Parents, would you agree with that? We want our children to follow Jesus, but they're going to have to follow Jesus, not just because mom and dad say, you follow Jesus, but you need to follow Jesus because you understand that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's not enough to, for us to follow Jesus because that's what our friends do. Well, my friends at camp, they follow Jesus, so I guess I should just do the same thing. You really need to understand who Jesus is. While that can be a motivating factor for you, your why has to be strong. And it's not enough for people just to follow Jesus. I've heard people say this before, just in case heaven and hell are real. What? Just in case? Of course they're real. That's what Jesus talked about. Well, I'm going to follow him just in case all of this happens. Brothers and sisters, our why has to be way more powerful than that. We need to be convicted. And it should be the gospel that should convict us as to why we follow Jesus. Look over in Ephesians chapter 2. We were talking about this in our Bible class. You want to know your why, my why, why we should be on board, fully serving the Lord? 
hit the pause button and reflect upon who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And that's our why. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. That's our why. That's our motivation. That's the reason why we're going to leave that former life in the past. That's the reason why we're going to give up everything the world may have to offer us because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. He paid the price to save wretched individuals like me and you. That's why we choose to follow him. I didn't count the cost of becoming a vegan. I watched one show and I said, okay, this is good enough. We can laugh at that. But sadly, sometimes some Christians may have that same mindset. They hear what Jesus has to offer. Oh, I want that. But they really haven't counted the cost. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, you really need to count the cost if you're going to follow me. Because this idea of being Christian-ish, it's just not going to work. If you're going to follow me, you really need to follow me. And it's amazing that he would say, have this really idea as he spoke to thousands of people in the crowds. In verse number 25 of Luke 14, now large crowds were going along with him. I don't know exactly how many, but I'm sure it was an extremely large crowd. Large crowds were going along with him and he turned and said to them, and this is interesting too, you wouldn't think, you know, if he's just trying to go after the crowds, he's not going to say what he's getting ready to say, but he's going after the people who are going to be committed. He doesn't just want the crowd. He wants people that are going to be committed. He said, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Case closed. There is no middle ground. There is no Christian-ish where we just follow him when it's convenient for us. But when we want to do what we want to do, we say, well, he'll understand. No. Jesus says, you got to put me first above everyone, even yourself. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Jesus says, count the cost. And brothers and sisters, every day we must count the cost. Every day we must choose so that we can avoid this mindset of being Christian-ish. And the way that we do that is remembering that Christ died for our sins, paid the biggest debt we can ever imagine or we can ever have. Being veganish is funny. Being Christianish is no laughing matter. To avoid it, let's choose. And then as we move forward, we need to eliminate. Eliminate the obstacles that hold us back. After becoming a vegan, oh boy, I threw out my bluebell ice cream. That was a really big deal. But it wasn't as hard as throwing out the shredded cheese or the sour cream. But I was done with it. Like the Israelites, I was cleaning out everything, getting rid of all the leaven. 
cleaning out everything that was going to get in my way from being a vegan. However, I was much like the Israelites as well. And the fact that I did not completely remove all the idols in the kitchen. There were still eggs in the kitchen. And Nikki had made some meals that had eggs in them. She had cornbread already made. How can you throw cornbread out? And so I began to make some quick concessions shortly after our journey. I said, well, I can eat the cornbread. There's only a few eggs in it, right? That's not, that's not too bad. But then it blossomed. Well, if I can eat the cornbread that has a few eggs in it, then I can eat some egg white omelets. That's not as bad. And then by day four, I progressed to eating chicken at Chipotle because if I can eat the egg, I can eat the chicken. It got worse and worse and worse. I didn't fully eliminate everything. And while you may have, you may think that's a little bit funny, I, I think it's kind of funny. Christians sometimes can have the same mindset, can't we? We can have good intentions, but good intentions are not necessarily good enough. Because if we're truly going to follow the Lord, what does that look like? We're going to have to clean house. Eliminate the things that are truly getting in our way from taking up our cross or the idols that we may have still lingering around. One of the most powerful stories is in Genesis chapter 35. In Genesis chapter 35, we find Jacob, a man of God, and something that was still in the house of Jacob. In, Jacob, in, in Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. It's just fascinating that even someone like Jacob and his household still had these foreign gods. They still had these idols still just kind of lingering around. And we know by reading the book of Ezekiel and the other prophets, the problem that happened as a result of these idols and the fact that the people of God did not fully disconnect themselves, did not fully eliminate those things from their lives. They may have torn them down. They may have burned them into ash and all of these different types of things. But when they did not fully eliminate these obstacles, they slowly and surely came creeping back into their lives. Well, for us to avoid being Christian-ish, if we're going to truly be committed to the Lord, and this, this sometimes is going to force us to make some decisions, we're going to have to fully eliminate the things that are, that are getting in the way. In Ephesians chapter 4, we find this idea of putting off and putting on of this old man that we used to be and the new man that we're supposed to be today. And what that's going to require, that's going to require us making some decisions to fully eliminate the things that could be getting in our way from fully serving the Lord. In Ephesians 4 and verse 17, Paul says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, and the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of 
of impurity with greediness, but you did not learn Christ in this way. You have been taught the gospel. That's what he's reminding the saints in Ephesus. You learned the truth about Jesus Christ. And he said, you haven't been taught this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside, here it is, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, what he's going to do is going to make all of these contrasts. Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one with his neighbor, for we are not members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Verse 28, he who steals must steal no longer. Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. He's going back and forth and he's saying, all this you used to do, but you got to leave all that aside. You got to eliminate all this because you have learned Christ. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. And therefore, these things must be completely removed from your life. And for that to take place, there was going to have to be a renewing of their minds every day. And the same is true for us. Just like Jacob and his family, they needed to completely sever those ties with those idols that they had. And the same is true for us. When it comes to being all in for Jesus Christ, we're not trying just to be Christian-ish. We're trying to be fully on board for our king. And that means we're going to have to make some decisions where we draw a line in the sand and we say, we're no longer going to be a part of this. We're going to have to maybe even sever some relationships if necessary or habits if necessary, because we want to fully serve the Lord. And yet it can be challenging at times. I think about Simon, the sorcerer in Acts chapter eight. Remember Simon, Simon became a Christian. Sometimes people doubt, did he, was he really converted to Jesus? Of course he was. The Bible says that he believed and he was baptized just like everyone else. Simon, the sorcerer became a Christian when Philip was in Samaria. But what's interesting, uh, some of the things from that former life began to pop back up, began to creep back up again. When he saw the power of the apostles, when he saw them in verse 17, uh, laying their hands and giving uh, power from the Holy Spirit in verse number 18, Simon saw that the spirit was bestowed through the laying of the hands of the apostles. He offered them money saying, give this authority to me as well so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter would have to correct him. And he said, your heart's not right with God. While he had been converted to Jesus Christ, there were some things that he still needed to continue to work on, to eliminate from his heart. And the same is true when it comes to us following Jesus Christ. For a person to be successful in a vegan lifestyle, they got to cut off all ties of that former life. They got to eliminate the things that are going to get in the way. And the same is true for us. Becoming successful as a vegan means opening up your refrigerator and cabinets to examine what's in there and to fully eliminate those things. And being successful as a Christian means that we open up God's word and we see what is it that I need to eliminate in my life. And you know what? There will be a lot of things we're going to have to eliminate in our lives. When a person is converted to Jesus Christ and coming out of the world, they're going to have to make some choices. And there will be some things that will have to stop. If we're fully going to serve Jesus, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 19. And I just want you to know, and this is why people really need to take up their cross. Sure, we want people to be baptized into Jesus Christ, but people also need to make sure that they understand that they're about to make a really important decision. 
And you got to be fully on board. You got to really count the cost with what you are getting ready to do because there will be a price. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 18 and 19, we find uh, those in Ephesus. The Bible says, many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and founded 50,000 pieces of silver. I'm always amazed at that. You talk about a price to pay. Here's a literal money dollar value that they paid. They said, we can't, we can no longer engage in this type of, and this type of stuff. And they had to fully eliminate it. And so coming to Jesus, being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus, it's not just saying, well, yeah, I want, I want what Jesus has to offer, but I want to keep doing everything else I've been doing. That's not going to work. That's Christian ish. Jesus says, you have to be willing to eliminate, to forsake, to leave behind the things, anything that could get in the way of me being first in your life. For some, that may be expensive habits. For others, it may be connections or, 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 or certain people that we're going to have to leave behind. But the price is always worth it. Do we believe that, though? The price is always worth it. The challenge is, are we willing to really eliminate the things that we need to get rid of in our lives? You don't have to answer this out loud. Please do not answer it out loud. But is there anything that you need to eliminate in your life right here, right now? Is it a disposition or an attitude of heart that you may need to eliminate? Is it some type of practice, maybe like drinking or something like that, that you need to eliminate? Is it pornography that you need to fully eliminate and cut off all ties, sever all ties with? What is it that we need to eliminate in our lives? Is it a person, a friend that may be weighing you down, that may be causing you to go in a different direction? What is it that you need to eliminate? Whether it's gossip or lying or stealing or whatever the case may be, we all have to look in the mirror and we got to ask ourselves, what's holding me back from fully following the Lord? Whatever that may be, we're going to have to fully eliminate. In Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 29, we are reminded why this is really so serious. We can laugh at the idea of being vegan-ish, but being Christian-ish is really no laughing matter. You see, as Paul was telling them about things that they needed to leave behind, he reminded them of something else. In verse 29, he said, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment. So that I will give grace to those who hear. And I'll watch what he said in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's why this is so serious. Because what Jesus says, I need for you to choose to follow me. And I need for you to eliminate whatever it may be that could be getting in the way. So what idols, whatever those idols may be, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit says, you eliminate those things. Because when you don't, you are grieving me. That's why we have to avoid this mindset. And this is how we can do it, by choosing, by eliminating, and finally by connecting. I kind of talked about this a little bit last Sunday night with the kids, and I wanted to share a couple more thoughts here. When I started my vegan journey, however short a period of time that was, there were people who actually tried to encourage me. I got uh, uh, messages via Facebook or people who were excited that I was now a vegan and they wanted to encourage me and they gave me recipe books and things like that. And they gave me all these different tips and websites and things like that, where you get to find other people and different avenues to be successful. How many of those did I actually listen to? Zero. 
I didn't need any help. I'm strong enough. I can do it on my own. Once I say I'm a vegan, I'm a vegan for about 36 hours. Isn't it sad that Christians do the same thing? I'm already a Christian. I don't, I don't need any help. I just kind of do my own thing. I'll see you Sunday, maybe Sunday night, but I'm good. I really don't need any help. And sadly, too many Christians have this disposition. And what happens is they eventually will become Christian-ish because they really just fail to connect with other people, the people of God. I've said this before, and I think I just we need to keep hearing this. We cannot do Christianity by ourselves. Christianity was never designed just for us to, to do all of this on our own. Think about how God created and established the church, the makeup of the church. It's made up of people, of believers. It's a family. Think about how we are described in the scriptures as brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about the church in the first century in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In verse 44, they all had everything. All of those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They were sharing them with all the other saints as anyone might have need. Verse 46, day by day they were spending time with one another in each other's homes. They say that's how they remain strong. That's how they remain committed to serving God. And brothers and sisters, simply put, that's what we must do. We need one another. Do you agree with that? I need you and you need me. We need this, we need this family. We need this flock. We need one another if we're truly going to be successful. And when we have this mindset that I can just kind of do whatever I want to do, and I don't really need to connect with people, we're going to fail eventually. Sure, we can maybe get, get away with it for a few days or weeks or months, maybe even a few years. I don't know. But eventually, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And the Bible just says so much about one another. We need one another to encourage one another. I'm not going to read it, but Hebrews 10 and verse 23, 24, and 25 reminds us about that. And you know what? Sometimes we need to be in each other's faces. Oh, boy, now you're going way too far. Well, Peter was really happy, I'm sure, that Paul got in his face and rebuked him. Because his soul stood condemned. And while we may not always like other people to, to help us or correct us or to show us, hey, have you thought about this? Or, hey, what you're doing is sinful. We need that because we're on a, we're on a journey. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1 reminds us that the way that God comforts his people or one of the ways that he comforts his people is through his people. And so we need the emotional support from one another. In James chapter 5, will you turn over there real quick, and I'm going to wrap this up here. In James chapter 5, uh, this passage here, I've seen this, uh, and I'm, I'm seeing it more. In James chapter 5, the importance of it. In verse number 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. There is something powerful in confession, and I know that's hard sometimes. And I'm not just talking about coming up to the front during the invitation song. I'm talking about sitting down and, and talking about things and, and confessing our sins to, to one another. 
Uh, there's this group I created on Facebook. I've started this no complain challenge, and we have about 141 people. And it's really opened up my mind. I've never seen people talk so much about I did not accomplish this today or I lost control here. And it's actually been really encouraging to see how people are really willing to open up to say, I failed. I fell short. I wasn't able to get this done. Brothers and sisters, there's something powerful about us and following what James 5 and verse 16 tells us to do, to confess our sins to one another. We can't do that if we're not connected to anyone. We can't do that if we're just kind of trying to do our own thing in our Christian walk. You see, this is what we're going to have to do if we're going to truly avoid becoming Christian-ish. We've got to connect with one another. Now, choosing and eliminating and connecting, hopefully this all sounds good, and motivating and encouraging. But let me ask you a question. Are we actually going to do it? We can hear sermons every week in Bible class lessons. And they may actually sound good or encouraging, kind of like that documentary Nikki and I watched. Becoming a vegan sounded great until I had to put it into practice. And then I no longer really wanted to do it because it hurt. And because I never really plugged in, I never really got any help. And yet, sadly, that's how many Christians live their lives, just kind of isolated by themselves, not really willing to reach out. Listen, you have a family here. You have shepherds who care about you, who smell like sheep, who want to help you. You have members who care about you. You have people here who are willing to assist one another. And none of us have to become Christian-ish, but it can happen so quickly when we find ourselves not truly connecting. When was the last time you connected with someone here? at the West Main congregation. I'm not talking about football. I'm not talking about lifting weights or exercise or a 5K or even talking about your job. But I'm talking about when's the last time you had a true connection where you talked to people, talked to someone, maybe about your fears or your spiritual walk with Christ or some of the challenges that you're having. You see, this is what we all have to do. This is how we can be successful and avoid this mindset of being Christian-ish. Being vegan-ish is... To me, at least, it's kind of funny. But being Christianish, it's no laughing matter. And I will say I was somewhat ashamed that I became veganish so quickly, especially after posting it on Facebook. I'm never going to hear the end of it. And Nikki was disappointed in me as well. But you know what? We're talking about food, and everything's going to be okay, whether I'm a vegan or veganish. But when it comes to being a Christian, There's far more at stake, our souls. And at times, maybe we should be ashamed if we find ourselves kind of just being Christian-ish because we're not truly following the Lord in the way that we should. Have you ever been ashamed? Have you ever had a hard time just even praying to God because you recognize just all the faults that you have and how you have come short? I think all of us have been there. But here's, so, here's what is so amazing about God. Is that he still loves us. And that he still is willing to be gracious. And that he still is willing to be merciful. And that he will forgive. We're going to make mistakes. I'm not advocating we go out and make mistakes. But I am advocating that we strive to get better every day. And when we do fall short of giving God the glory, he still says, you come back to me. And you change. You strive to do better. 
You eliminate those things that are maybe getting in your way. And I will continue to be with you. We can't worry about what other people may say. We really need to be concerned about what God is saying about us in heaven. What does he see in me? And what does he see in you? Does he see that we are Christian-ish? Or does he see that we're picking up our cross and truly following him? That's what this is all about. Let's be sure that we give him the glory. And if you have seen, you know what? I really have not been choosing him. I really have not been going all out for him and following him the way that I should. Now's the time to change. Don't wait another month or two months. If you need help, now's the time to change. If you don't come to the front, talk to somebody after services. But now is the time. Because we truly want to be following him with all of our heart. And if you're not a Christian, he wants you to be in his son, Jesus Christ, where you can receive forgiveness of sins. But you must believe that he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave. You must believe he's the son of God. And you must be willing to eliminate. You're going to have to turn away. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to leave some things behind. And you must be baptized in water, not a sprinkling, not because you're already saved, not because you've said a prayer, but in order to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what the Bible teaches. That's how you can receive his saving grace. Is that you? Do you need prayer? Do you need encouragement? Do you need assistance? Now is your opportunity. Come now as we stand and sing.